0: good morning fellowship those online those in the overflow and in the parents room great to have you all with us today my name is ray one of the pastors here and uh, what a joy it is to open up god's word i do want to say are we in dubai or in dublin (laughs) because it's feeling more like the cold of europe than uh than the gulf Uh, my goodness but when i saw those waves it took me back to australia because i the two things i missed about australia are my family And the waves I'm not interested in going in water that doesn't want to throw me out you know I need waves and uh, and I saw wow there's actually some waves today so I must go and have a swim you know the real problem about prayer is I think it's not that you just can't see God and that's always hard one day we'll see him face to face it's not just that we're talking to someone who sometimes says yes sometimes says no and sometimes says not yet It's that sometimes I think we find prayer hard because he's likely to want us to be the answer to the prayer that we're praying. Remember last week, Bill took us to that passage in chapter 9, the previous chapter to the one that was read, where Jesus said to the disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest uh, that he will send out workers because the harvest is plentiful, it's big, and the workers are few. Uh, And so the disciples prayed in light of that, but little did they know that 12 of them would actually be the answer to that prayer. 12 of them, as we see in today's reading, will be sent out as apostles to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus turns 12 disciples into 12 apostles. Now, if you're new to the Christian faith, you may be thinking, what's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? Every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. Apostles are those who are sent out with the authority of Jesus. Uh, Apostles are those who become the foundation of the new new covenant and the church. Uh, They tend to mirror the 12 tribes of the old covenant. Uh, Qualifications of an apostle, for example, are that they perform signs and wonders, 2 Corinthians 12.12. They are God's appointed eyewitnesses. You weren't there to see Jesus do his thing, but they were. Uh, uh, They were... Uh, When they had to choose the replacement for Judas, it had to be someone who was with Jesus from John's baptism right through to the resurrection of Jesus. They are our eyes and ears. It's a big calling. Uh, We're told that they will actually sit on 12 thrones judging the nations. Wow. So notice who God chooses and it's an unlikely group. Look at verses 2 to 4. Now, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, called Peter. Peter was like his nickname, like Rocky. So that means his first and second letter. Peter 1, Peter 2 is Rocky 1, Rocky (laughs) 2. And Andrew, his brother. James, son of Zebedee and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot. Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, let's stop for a moment. Why didn't he send out 12,000 angels? He's got them at the snap of his fingers. He could have just sent 12 angels. One angel would have been enough. The job would have been over within a day. But it's interesting, isn't it, that God chooses, firstly, humans. He became a human to save humans, and he wanted humans to tell other humans about him. I know that's obvious, but it's worth saying. He chooses 12 very ordinary humans. There's nothing but, not one, we've got a photo here, not one of them were priests like on the picture, who served in a temple or a rabbi or Pharisees, no, they didn't look like that. Twelve men from the marketplace, people who had jobs like you, two sets of two brothers who had their own fishing business, they worked with their hands. Uh, Peter, Andrew, James and John. Matthew, a tax collector, kind of worked for the government. Yeah, Dilly, the the taxing, you know, of, of overtax people—sure, had a bit of black market thing happening—but worked for the government. Simon the Zealot—he was more like a freedom fighter. Probably had blood on his hands. Tried to overthrow the Romans. So they come from very different places. God using people in the marketplace to be His messengers—I love that. In case—that's what Movement Day. Every year we advertise Movement Day, and Movement Day, uh, December—sorry, February the twenty-fourth. It's only a couple of weeks away. One of the great passions about Movement Day is to bring Christians, not just churches and pastors, but Christian people who work in a range of jobs, any kind of job, to make a difference in the community. A bit like what Pastor Tim said earlier. Bring us together, inspire us to be salt and light wherever we are, whether we're a nanny or whether we're a CEO of a company. These are very ordinary human beings, just like you and me. But you know what else I notice? They don't spiritually stand out either. For example, Peter, amongst other mistakes, will eventually deny Jesus once, twice, three times. I never knew him. Then there's Thomas, often called Doubting Thomas, who was so sure Jesus didn't rise from the dead after he did rise from the dead and was told by the ten apostles that he did rise from the dead. He said, I'm not going to believe it unless I can stick my fingers in his wounds. You don't say that unless you really believe it's not going to happen. Judas, the end of the list. Well, he'd been stealing right through the whole three years from the money purse. Eventually, he would betray Jesus for a lousy 30 pieces of silver. I always feel sorry for Thaddeus, because Thaddeus is also known by the name of Judas. There were two Judases in the twelve, and Thaddeus, but he's called Thaddeus here, and not Judas, because so he probably got sick of people saying, Judas, now I'm the other one. (laughs) I like what Pastor Barak said. He said, um, these 12 had no business being together. These 12 had no business being apostles. Their CV wouldn't have get them to the interview. (laughs) But these are the kind of ordinary people God loves to use. Saved by grace making a difference in his kingdom I just find God has a sense of humor in who he chooses to be in his family look at 1 Corinthians 1 26 he's speaking about you and me now so don't get offended brothers and sisters think of what you were when you were called not many of you were wise by human standards not many were influential not many were of noble birth and in the context Paul is saying God uses a foolish gospel a dead Jew hanging on a cross to save the world Foolish preachers eh, eh, <laughs> uh, and foolish t- children of God. <laughs> he chooses the foolish things to shame the wise, just like, just how we like it. Look around. None of us are in the news. None of us are, not many of us, I should say, are, you know, on the news or are big influencers and carry lots of power. Just a bunch of misfits brought together by the grace of God to build his church then and now here in Dubai. Amen? Amen. I love that. God loves to use ordinary people just like you and me. Unlikely group. And with an uncommon message. It's interesting, the message that they preach, exactly the same to what Jesus preached, exactly the same what John the Baptist preached. He doesn't leave it up to them to make it up. Listen to what he says in verse seven. And clearly it's a summary. You know, it's not one, two, three, four, five, six, six. four, five, six. Six. How would it? One, two, three, four, five, six words. As you go, preach the message, the kingdom of heaven is near. I'm pretty sure they preach longer than that. You're thinking, how come they only got a 10 second sermon and we get a 30 minute sermon? No. Uh, that was just a summary of it. The kingdom of heaven, by the way, is kingdom of God. Um, same thing. Kingdom was near. Why? Because the king had come. And he was Jesus. Jesus had come. He had begun a revolution really. He had come to take charge of a world that has rebelled against him. And the twelve are given authority of the king to go into every nation, to go into every tribe and village of Israel and announce to them that the Messiah has arrived. Look at verse 1. Jesus called his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits so that they could cast them out and heal every kind of disease and sickness. So they were empowered not only to preach the kingdom of God, but to demonstrate the powers of the kingdom of God. That they were, they were, in the name of Jesus, given authority to cleanse the land from sickness and sin. What a beautiful picture. It had become so corrupted. They were given power to demonstrate, oh, sorry, they were given authority to demonstrate the king's power over death and demons. Like Jesus, they dragged a little bit of heaven wherever they went. This is the era of signs and wonders, is it not? Not just kind of like we we experience miracles now, but you've got to say there's something quite unique happening here because every person who came to Jesus with every kind of disease never left disappointed. They were all healed completely, instantly, you know, wow. I mean, we get to experience miracles, but they, they got a burst of it demonstrating the power of Jesus' name. Which got me thinking, what about those people in, in those, tri, in those uh, towns and villages who got saved through the preaching of Judas or got healed or got delivered from demons by the prayers of Judas and then three years later discover, oh my goodness, he betrayed the one in whose name I was healed and forgiven. Am I really forgiven? Like, it kind of messes with your head, right? And maybe you know a bit of this. Maybe you've come from churches where you know, the, the person, who, the leader, might, might have been a youth pastor or a, a senior pastor, who had such a big influence on you, and you discover, oh my goodness, they've been living a double life, and now they've walked away from Jesus. What does that mean about my salvation? I don't think that's not an uncommon experience. And you start to doubt. Let me tell you, friends, the messengers may have fallen, but the message remains true. It was Jesus' message and power that saved, not the messengers. (laughs) Peter will often say that. Paul will say that. Don't worship us. We are mere men just like you. It was Jesus who's ruling and reigning that brought this healing. Jesus didn't stop being the Messiah because Judas betrayed him. I myself have told you, my first pastor so ministered to my soul for three years, And yet died an atheist but God still used him and I'm very thankful so I beg you please never give up on Jesus and his church if in the future or maybe you're still suffering from the past someone of authority in the church has denied and walked away from Christ who once blessed your soul because I tell you, not one of us ever becomes a Christian and a follower of Jesus because of other Christians. I am not a disciple of Jesus because of the disciples. I'm thankful for the people who witnessed to me. I am a follower of Jesus for one reason. Jesus. These 12, what an unlikely group. What an uncommon message. What an unexpected set of instructions they were given. For example... Jesus says to these 12, only go to the lost sheep of Israel. Go only to the lost sheep. Look at verses 5 and 6. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles, that is the nations, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. First things first, the clock was ticking. Jesus had come all the way from heaven to earth. Every child of Abraham had been waiting 2,000 years for the promises to be fulfilled and for the coming Messiah. Jesus knew that within three years he'd be climbing the cross and then exiting to heaven. And his commitment was to make sure that every person in every tribe, every village, and every town in Israel heard that the Messiah had come. So repent. They had waited long enough. And it was right and only right that the Jews got to hear the message first. To the Jew first, and then to the nations. That's the first thing. That's the first surprise. The second one is, the message is to be free, but the messengers are to be paid for, or are worthy of pay. Verse 8, he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Wow. Freely you've received, freely give. Let's say that together. Freely you receive, freely give. I love that. They were never to charge for the good news. The good news is God's free gift to us and it must be given free of charge to others. Must be. Because it was already paid by Jesus once and for all. You know, uh, we're in the third week of Alpha, I think, third or fourth week. Alpha is one of those great opportunities in the course of uh, our church where you get to ask your questions about Jesus. No one pays for that course. It's interesting, isn't it? Information is power, and the more powerful the information, the more expensive it is. So I was once talking to a man many years, a few years ago. He was uh, part of high up in a very big organi- international organisation, and I said to him, "Oh, he actually, he said to me about." He gets coached. His coach that was organised by his organisation coaches him once a month for 12 months uh, Twelve months every year. And I said, I'm just curious. I said, look, what, what does a coach charge? How much does your organisation pay the coach to coach you? And I can't even tell you what I'm about to say. He said, the coach that coaches me charges me a hundred, charges the organisation, 120,000 dirham. Not per year, not per month, per hour. I said, what? (laughs) What did you just say? Not per month, a hundred. That means, and it's only for, it's only for, it's only like, it was only for an hour and it was 12 times a year. That was 1.4 million dirham for the year. For a God who he said never told me one thing. All he did was ask me questions. I've got to get into that game. Man. <laughs> There's worldly wisdom. And I'm sure he said he was brilliant. Well, he might have been brilliant, but I don't know if he was worth 1.4 million dirham a year. But whether he was or he wasn't, worldly wisdom will get you so far. But think of the... Wisdom and the power of the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus that turned aside God's wrath away from us so that we can look forward to the day of the Lord with confidence, to know that we're adopted into his family, that we will at death transfer from this age to the age to come. That's pretty powerful information. And it comes free of charge. Must always be free of charge. But the message is free, but the messages are worthy of pay. Jesus says that as well. Verse 9. Do not take gold, silver, or copper in your belts, no bag for the journey, or an extra tunic, or sandals, or staff. Why? Repeat. Finish the sentence. For the worker deserves his provisions. The apostle Paul is very strong in this. He said, I will never charge for the gospel. Even though I have a right to do it, I will never do it. Though he was always thankful for the churches who partnered with him as he went on the mission field to serve. And he himself would quote Jesus' words, 1 Corinthians 9.14. He says this, In the same way the Lord has commanded, oh, it's a command, that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So when you were giving, whether you give online or when the bags were going round, you were actually obeying that command from 1 Corinthians 9. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. You free up the pastors, for example, so that they can get on with the work full-time, which you can only do part-time. It's interesting, you pay to go to college, you pay to go to a movie, you pay to go to a concert, you pay for everything. You don't pay to come to church. you saying, Oh yeah, yeah, but the offertory bag's passed around, right? Good point. Why? Verse 10, the worker deserves his provisions. No apology there, but notice Pastor Tim made the point, uh, and, and, and we always want our host to say it. They don't always remember, but they always, we always want them to say it. That if you're a guest, if, you, if, you, if you're not part of the church family, just let the, this, is for, this is for the church. This is not for those who are inquiring, checking out Christianity. Why? Because the message must be free. There's no ticketing coming in. There's no $50 for a service. You could come to church for the next 20 years and not pay a dime or a dirham. Because freely you've received, freely give. The next, unexpected instru- the next unexpected instruction is don't get distracted on the mission trip. So find the person of peace in the village or the town. The one who welcomes you, therefore welcomes the message. Uh, and for as long as they're happy for you to stay in their home, Stay in their home. This is not a holiday. Whether it's a five-star villa or a, or a one-bedroom apartment, stay there for as long as you're doing ministry in that town or village. Don't treat it as a holiday where you keep looking for the pers- for the house with the best jacuzzi or, you know, whatever. Stay on point. Bless the hosts and the towns that receive the message. Stay on point. I remember the story of a lighthouse attendant in the days before electricity when the lighthouse was lit by electricity uh, the fuel for the lighting was actually oil and it had to be brought in every month and there was a set quota of oil to keep the light on so that ships could see the cliffs and avoid uh, being damaged anyway on this one occasion um, through the course of a harsh winter uh, a couple of the families in the village came to the lighthouse attendant and asked for some of the light because the stove needed to be fuel for cooking, the home needed to be warmed, and there were good reasons, there were real needs, and this, the, the lighthouse keeper was very generous and kind and soft-hearted, and he shared the oil. The only problem was the oil ran out one day before the next amount of oil was gonna come. And so for a whole night, the lighthouse had no light. And on that night, a ship crashed, lives were lost. And in the investigation, the inquirer said, Why why did you run out of oil? We gave you the right amount of oil. And he said, there were real needs in the community. I had to go and deal with it. And he said, you were given the oil for one reason and one reason only. To keep that light on so that ships could avoid being crashed and lives could be saved. Stay on point. That's what he's saying to the disciples, the apostles here. Stay on point. The 12 were not to get distracted. Even when the message was rejected, keep going. Unwilling audience. Look at verse 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your message, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or that town. If anyone will not welcome you. That's why it's called fishing, not catching. (laughs) Jesus says, I'll, I'll make you catchers of men. No, I'll make you fishers of men. Because if you know anything about fishing, sometimes you catch, sometimes you don't. If the message was rejected, they were to move on to the next town. Because the next town needed to hear, don't throw your pearls before swines. Shake the dust off your feet, keep moving. The gospel needs to keep being proclaimed. And sometimes with the warning if it's rejected. A loving warning. Verse 15. I tell you the truth. It will be more bearable for the region of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Man, that's a hard word, isn't it? Especially if you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah way back in Genesis 18, 19. Man, that was a city known for sin and known for the judgment of God. They basically napalm the whole place and and burnt it to the ground because of God's long-stand, you know, its long-standing rebellion against God. And it becomes the benchmark of sin and judgment in the Bible. And Jesus is saying, actually, you towns in in Israel, you reject the Messiah. When he comes in person and through the apostles you're going to find yourself in a hotter corner of hell than they are do not rebel remember what jesus said to judas it's just stunning words there he is right at the very end at the last supper and he's saying he's lovingly warned judas judas he says woe to the man who betrays the son of man it would be better for him not to have been born don't do it judas and I want to say to you, my friends, if you're thinking in any way of walking away from Jesus, don't do it. Because more that's been given to you, more is required of you. You can't now walk away. You've, you've, act, that's a problem. you've become a believer, right? Or you've, you've actually now heard the God. Okay, that comes with a quota of responsibility. I beg you, Jesus pleads with you. Don't walk away from him. It'll be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the Day of Judgment. Than for you if you do. Hard words, aren't they? But you know, um, that's the nature about warning. It's often seen as, oh, are you manipulating? But you know, you know in that baptism, imagine, uh, imagine if someone knew there was a shark in the water and didn't say anything. In Sydney, in Australia, we have lots of shark warnings, <laughs> they're everywhere. I think sharks love Australians. <laughs> no one ever says, "Oh, stop manipulating me by warning me about the shark." No, that's just the reality. It's danger there. Don't do it. By the way, there's no sharks it's safe to swim here in Dubai, or as far as I know, because I love swimming here. Now, this passage ends. Uh, that the reading ends. Uh, uh, sorry, Matthew's gospel doesn't end with Matthew 10 and the call of the twelve apostles to only go to Israel it ends in Matthew 28 where every believer is required to make disciples of all nations and the word is not just to announce that the kingdom of God is near but the kingdom of God has come for God has revealed himself fully as father son and Holy Spirit and so the call for every follower of Jesus now is to make to play your part according to gifting and so forth but to play your part to make disciples of Jesus now how many times have you heard that for some of you you're thinking Ray, i don't like it when i keep hearing that you just make me feel guilty (laughs) and i don't like feeling guilty and i'm shy (laughs) so stop telling me that i'm sorry jesus (laughs) but you know i kind of get that i really want to say i I'm not, a natural of, I'm not a natural sharer of Jesus, I'll be honest with you, and I'm a pastor. Um, and I remember sitting at the back of a bus once with my friend Matt, and he he loved telling you. He was like Pastor Tim. And and as we were looking at the bus, the people, I said, Matt, when you look at all these people and you see them, and, and chances are most of them don't know Jesus, and they're heading for a Christless eternity, like, what does that do to you? I was just curious. And he said, oh, Ray, it just breaks my heart. It's just so upsetting. <clears throat> I said, really? I said, it doesn't do a thing for me. I, I don't feel that. So what do I do? I stopped telling people, a bit, no. But I tell you what I did do. A, I started praying that God will give me a heart just like that. A heart that really aches, like Paul in Romans 9, who says, my, just, my heart aches for my flesh and blood who have not received Christ. He's just so burdened for them. And so, one, pray that God will give you that heart. But what I found really helpful was this. Do you remember at the beginning of this talk, we referred to that time when Jesus saw the crowd and his heart was filled with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to the disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray that God will send out workers into the harvest. Well, was it the disciples' compassion that drove that prayer or was it Jesus' compassion? It was his compassion. They, their heart wasn't filled with you know, a burden for the lost. Their heart wasn't broken over the lost, uh, lost sheep of Israel. It was Jesus' heart. And when I realized that, oh, that set me free. I thought, I can't do it for me, I can't do it for them, but Jesus, I can do it for you. <laughs> because if they matter to you, Jesus, they matter to me. If they matter to you, Jesus, they matter to you. Now, you're probably thinking, Ray, okay, I just don't know enough, and I don't want to muck it up. And, I, you know, and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure they're going to ask me questions, and I, if I start talking about Jesus, I'm going to get freaked out because they're going to ask me questions. I'm going to get embarrassed because I don't know, or I'm going to get in the way of them getting to know Jesus. And I was talking to Lou and our children's director about this passage, and he says, you know, there was still a lot these 12 didn't know, and they were apostles. There was a rule. And you just have to read all the mistakes they're about to make from chapter 10 to chapter 28. Serious, big mistakes. Errors in even understanding kind of truths. But it doesn't seem to stop Jesus for commissioning them to go out to the lost sheep of Israel. I find that very encouraging. What they did do is they told others what they knew. And what they didn't know, they said I don't. That's the guy in John 9, you know, the guy born blind? And, he, and he, I love the way he, he says what he knows, and what he doesn't know, he says he doesn't know. That's the answer to the question. It takes the pressure off. You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll, come, I'll go and find out. I'll ask one of the pastors, and I'll come back to you. Or I'll go to my small group and find out an answer. And it kind of takes the pressure off. So, it's the compassion of Jesus that drives us. You don't have to have all the answers. The most remarkable thing about these 12... Is that they were really unremarkable God loves to use ordinary people just like us a bunch of misfits to bless the city of Dubai and to build this church here and can I say you know every day since I've been in Dubai I have been praying for every one of you including myself including my family including my son's church and my previous church I pray for all three congregations and every person in them that we will have the boldness to share Jesus clearly and confidently. And I pray for you that you may go to bed as a little silent lamb, but yet you'll wake up as a bold lion. Or at least enough courage to say, would you like to come to Alpha? It's a really cool course. And friends, you know, and... uh, it's good to remember, isn't it, we're all, we're all called to be involved to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. That's the responsibility of every Christian, both inside the church and in the kingdom. But you know, as I close with this, there are some of us who are involved in the work for the Lord. And uh, it's, it's the word Paul uses for those who are co-workers with him in the work. And it's the, the very group that Jesus was praying asked for us to pray for. It's the only job Jesus has ever asked for prayer about. Wait to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers for the gospel. And I wonder whether you will not only, we all are to pray that prayer, but I wonder whether you'll allow God to have you be the answer to that prayer. It could be you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess that when we see the nations around us. For many of us, Lord, we don't have a heart full of compassion. If anything, we're probably filled with fear and doubt or confusion, not know what to say. But what is clear, Lord, is that your heart, when you saw the nations, was broken. Broken for them to come to you. Broken that they will taste of salvation, taste that the Lord is good. You long for them to be in relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to know that you want humans to tell other humans about Jesus. That you want disciples to tell others that they may become disciples of Jesus. Help us to know that you do truly use ordinary people just like us. In whatever job we're in. Whether we're looking for work, whether we're in work, whether our work pays us lots of money or little money, you have in your wonderful plan brought us to Dubai in the exact job, role, suburb, uh, place, apartment, house. It might be the three people who share the room that we're living in right now. It might be the person who lives in that expensive villa next door and everything in between. For one reason, Lord, that we may announce that Jesus truly is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the saviour of the world and the master of the universe and the one through whom and for whom we exist and all for your glory. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen indeed. Bless you, brothers and sisters.